0: Come with me on a journey to Borth, uh, there on the coast just above Aberystwyth in 1949. It's the first ever IVF, UCCF student leader conference in uh, Wales. Dr Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great preacher, is there. And as well, uh, one of my heroes, a guy I did my uh, dissertation on, Gwyn Walters he's the first UCCF staff worker travelling secretary now all the students gather together in both and they are super excited to be there finally they have a work to reach Wales and if you remember last week we looked at the importance of not just reaching our area for Christ but reaching our nation Wales and so they all got there they were so excited about having their Welsh conference and just as the conference was starting Gwyn Walters just had a pang of conscience and felt led to go and get an old as he calls it decrepit map just any map he could find in, in 1949 he went to the front of the conference and he put this map up on the wall and this is what he said to the students that he didn't want them to be oblivious to the great urgent challenge of an entire world he said to them don't become parochial and provisional we need to be a contributory factor to the world You see, whilst Gwynne Walters had a heart for Wales, he also had a heart for the world. I think part of this came from a friendship he had with a guy called Christy Wilson. Christy Wilson was a missionary to Afghanistan um, back in the 1950s and 60s, an absolute radical. And uh, he and Gwyn Walters had been students together in Edinburgh, they'd prayed together every day, they'd travelled across Europe together and preached wherever they went. And hanging out with a missionary had changed him. And, and anybody uh, watching this who knows a missionary knows that when you hang out with missionaries and you pray with missionaries, it gives you a heart for global missions. And so at the end of this little series in January on Acts one where we've been looking at the need to reach our Jerusalem, our area, and our Judea and Samaria, which is Wales and the UK. I wanna make sure we remember the ultimate aim of Act one which is the fact that we're going to be the witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, but to the very ends of the earth. And so today, I wanna to raise my banner, put my little kind of map up on the wall and say with Gwyn Walters, we need to have a heart for global missions and as a church we need to be involved in global missions we need to remember the world mission the nations people group languages and people individuals now you see right from the start of the bible really we've always wanted to be a people who stay put we've always forced ourselves to stay and not to follow god's command to go because that's what god commanded us to do the very first command is to go forth and multiply to subdue the earth to make the most of the earth but once you get to the tower of babel what do people want to do let's not go let's stay here let's make our name great let's build a tower for ourselves But at the heart of the Bible is mission. Now, it's important that we understand the word mission and the word missionary. Um, Mission literally means sent, to be sent and so mission is about being sent so if you think about um, the way we use it in in society um, someone can be sent on a mission maybe someone in the army or in the navy you are sent on a mission this is your mission this is what you're sent to do or someone who works in the foreign service or um, is a, a diplomat or something they can go on a mission they've been sent as an ambassador and they go this is your mission even organizations when you work for organizations maybe. We have mission statements this is what we are paying you to do so when you go to this place or this office or this factory or this meeting this is what we want you to do so mission is being sent and God is a missions God all the way through the Bible God sends people God sent Abraham God sent Joseph God sent Moses God sent the prophets God sent Jonah and Jonah didn't want to go But God sent him and God sent his son, the Lord Jesus, and he was willing to go and he came for us. And God has sent his spirit on the church. And now, Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, God sends us. Therefore, go, Jesus says, and make disciples of all nations acts 1 8 you will be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth and so as a church and as individuals we have been sent to be missionaries in that broader sense of the term the church is is sent but not only are we sent by Jesus we're sent to be like Jesus so John chapter 17 and verse 18 says this as you sent me into the world Jesus prays to the Father so I have sent them into the world so just as the Father sent the Son so now the Son sends us again in John chapter 20 and verse 21 Jesus says this Jesus said to them again peace be with you as the Father has sent me even so I am sending you So when we go, we go like Jesus. And really we've seen how we should go and how Jesus went. The first thing Jesus came to do was to proclaim the good news. He communicated. The second thing he did was he gathered the disciples around him and the 72 around him. And he loved people and he spent time with people. He was the friend of sinners. He was known as the one who hung out with everybody. He created community. And the third thing we see in Jesus is he had compassion. When he saw people, in pain he cared for them he wept in a funeral he had compassion and we've been saying those are the three things that we need to do communicate have community and compassion so the father sends the son and the son sends us and we're meant to go like the son and in effect it's it's an overflow of love that's what it is if you think of the father son and holy spirit god the one god in heaven in trinity god within himself is a fountain of love and so as god the father sends his son in love it's an overflow of his love and as we come to christ and his holy spirit comes to live in us he puts his love into our hearts and so you see this cascade this flow of love in effect that's what the church should be a cascade an overflow of the love of god divine love and so missions is that stream going out and going down it's wonderful we're meant to be missionaries to the ends of the earth and let's be honest that sounds scary Abergavenian area was hard in week one Wales and UK was hard last week and now I'm saying hey actually global missions reaching out that is important too but we need to remember the full words of Jesus. Don't just take part in them, take all of them. So I just quoted to you uh, John chapter 20, but take it fully. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent, you, uh, sent me, I am sending you. And then he goes on in verse 22 to say, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What God sends you to do, he equips you to do. What God sends you to do, he equips you to do. And when God sent the church in Acts to go and to proclaim the gospel to Judea and Samaria, Jerusalem and the ends of the earth, he gives us the Holy Spirit to equip us. Remember, we have Pentecost, the promise of it, then we have the fulfilment of it, and that means now the church and Christians can go in power. And as we reach out, I think we need to build the argument that I've made over the last few weeks. We go in the power of the Spirit, and the best way to reach out is in cooperation, is with interdependence, with other churches and other Christians around the world. The only way we can be involved in global missions is if we team up with other churches and other organisations. That is how we overflow with love. The problem with churches is, sometimes we stop being a fountain Or we have a fountain just for ourselves and then we build a dam. We build a reservoir. And really, I think that's what most churches, if I'm honest, that's what I would like to be. A reservoir. Lord, love me. Lord, bless me. Father, give me all your blessings and your goodness. And here I am in my church, in my reservoir, with plenty to drink and plenty of water to play with but that's not what the church is meant to be. We're not meant to be a reservoir. We're not meant to build a dam. Rather, we're meant to help the love of God flow out and cascade down and through all the nations. So let me share with you this morning uh, two thoughts on how we can do this. Number one, the church should send missionaries. The church should send missionaries and cornerstone. We should be praying to send missionaries One of you or more watching this needs to go and be a missionary. Now, I need to define a term here. If missions is sent, then missionary is a sent one. Now, I think, um, although there's a very complicated debate here, I'm going to simplify it beyond belief and annoy some of you. Um, But in a very simple way, all Christians are sent. So, in one sense, you could say that all Christians are missionaries. I I can understand the mindset that says that okay so all all christians with a small m okay are missionaries we're all sent ones wherever we are and so Someone going to live on the other side of the world, in Australia or or in a country in Africa or down in in South America. If they go there for work and they happen to be a Christian, in one sense they they can be a missionary. Um, And and we kind of see that at work in the book of Acts. Um, So for example in Acts chapter 8 when the persecution comes and the Christians go, it says this. Now those who are scattered went about preaching the word. Um, and, And so you have that kind of natural kind of missionary, small m within the Great Commission. But we need to be careful that we don't make everything mission, because once everything is mission, nothing is mission. Once everybody is a missionary, there are no missionaries. We need to be really careful. And so what I wanna say is that actually, biblically, there are missionaries, capital M, okay, who are actually sent by a church, actually sent by a church. Now, I'm not making a value commentary. It's not that one is more important than others, proper sent out missionaries from the church are more important than normal church members no no no. we're all equal we all need to share the gospel we've all been sent but within that there are people who are specifically sent by the church to share the gospel or to support the work of sharing the gospel and those are actually called missionaries and we do need to defend that term we need to understand that there are a group of men and women who are sent by local churches known as missionaries and we see that again working out in Acts so if you look at Acts chapter 13 it says this Acts chapter 13 now they're in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers Barnabas Simeon who was called Niger Lucius of Cyrene Manain a member of the court of Herod the Tetrach and Saul while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them then after fasting and praying, they, led, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now they are v- missionaries. That is God has called them. The church has recognised the calling. They have laid on their hands, they've set them aside and they have sent them off. So it's very important that we understand that there are specific missionaries. And missionaries go to plant churches and to strengthen churches in a large number of ways. So local churches and Cornerstone should be able and willing to send missionaries. I wonder, will that be you? Maybe you're 10 years old watching this, or maybe you've just become a Christian, or maybe you're coming to retirement. Maybe God's calling you to mission. Wouldn't that be wonderful? For Cornerstone to become a mission-sending church. That would really bless me. Now, as Welsh people, uh, we do have a great history of missions. Uh, the Celtic saints were great missionaries, um, but uh, there have been lots of others. In fact, in Abergavenny, we, we live a couple of miles away um, from a tiny little village which is world famous, and you might not even know it. Um, it's the little village of Llanova. Llanova, the hummingbird um you kind of drive past it there um is amazing and as you drive through llanova on the left hand side um there's a chapel um not the old chapel on the right hand side that we used to have our days away in as a church but it's now closed but on the left hand side before you uh, leave llanova is a little church and from that church was sent a missionary called robert Germain thomas have a watch of this video to learn about him
1: Pyongyang is the capital city of North Korea. Many people know North Korea today as being a closed country for being an isolated, hermit-like kingdom who, under the reign of Kim Jong-un, rejects all types of Western influence and especially Christian influence. But did you know, over 150 years ago, in the city of Pyongyang would be the site where the first Protestant missionary would put his foot on Korean soil. His name was Robert Germain Thomas. He had a real zeal for the gospel ministry, and God had given him a knack for languages. He naturally had a desire to go to the mission field. God was leading him then to the field of China. After that, he would be married to a Miss Godfrey, and just a few weeks after their marriage, they would set sail from the shores of England to the mission field of Shanghai, China. It was not long after their arrival in Shanghai that the Thomases would soon face great tragedy. A few months after their arrival, Miss Thomas would die as a result of a miscarriage at childbirth. This would have a profound effect on Robert Germain Thomas's life and actually lead him to resign from the London Missionary Society and go on to work at a, as a customs officer in, a, in the city of Chifu. It was there, though, in that city of Chifu that God would use Christian brethren to refresh him and strengthen him in his zeal for the Lord. While in the city of Chifu, working as a customs officer, God would allow his paths to cross with two Koreans who told him of the situation in Korea, and God used those conversations to give him a burden for the people of the Korean Peninsula. In 1866, the opportunity for Robert Thomas to finally visit the Korean Peninsula would come. He was asked to go along a ship called the General Sherman, an American ship, seeking to build ties of trading between the Koreans and the Americans, and he was asked to go along as a translator. However, Thomas had a very different agenda. His goal was to take as many Bibles as he could and get them into Korea. And so Thomas boarded the General Sherman with great aspirations of what God was going to do. After traveling upriver to the city of Pyongyang, the American ship was met with great opposition. The Koreans were rejecting any type of Western influence and demanded that the vessel turn around. After a few days, much fighting broke out. The General Sherman soon caught fire, killing many on board and forcing others, like Robert Germain Thomas, to flee ship and come to the riverbank. There on the riverbank, he was greeted by Korean soldiers. He greeted them, sopping wet with a Bible in his hands, and with a little bit of Korean he knew, he yelled out, "Jesus, Jesus, Jesus!" One soldier stepped forward and with one swoop of the sword off with Robert Germain Thomas's head. The Bible flew up into the air and fell down onto the riverbank. The soldier who beheaded Robert Germain Thomas grabbed that Bible that was on the, the riverbank there and took it back to his house. He took the pages out of the Bible and used it and wallpapered his house with the pages of Scripture. That would have a great impact on the people of Korea. People would come from all over and read the Scriptures. We do know that he had a nephew who would come and read and be converted and would go on later to become one of the first pastors on the Korean Peninsula. All of this why? Because one man was willing to lay down his life so that others could hear
0: What a great story Robert Germain Thomas is. I'd really encourage you, uh, children, go off and learn more about Robert Germain Thomas. It's truly, um, truly inspiring. But you know, we've also had other missionaries going out over the years. I've been um, investigating and researching Um, welsh missionaries and a few people have been sending me things and one of the things i got sent in the post over the last couple of weeks were um, directories of missionaries from wales this is one that was written in 1970 and uh, it's just jam-packed with um, missionaries i've had a whale of a time reading this finding missionaries um from my home village of brynhamon and from the gospel hall there and people have gone all around the world and those um directories used to be um kind of produced every couple of years and in there you can see lots of people um You can read this one, actually, and find out about Jack Sharman, um, who uh, was in Abergavenny um, and did a wonderful work. And you can learn about lots of others, like Lindsay Brown over in Monmouth and other dear friends um, of the church. Uh, Joan uh, Trotter and they are in there. I mean, it's it's just wonderful. It's well worth uh, looking through there and seeing who you can find from our church. Um, And and Wales has sent missionaries, and, and we need to make sure we don't forget that. Um, and even within our church now we have um, a family who are missionaries and that is wonderful. And so we should be sending, We, we need, and I as your pastor need to keep the energy up on this. Is God calling you? Is God setting you apart to go and to be a missionary? My danger is, is if we don't go, we build a dam, we have this kind of reservoir of water And nothing goes out. And then because of that, nothing comes in because we don't need God's blessing. We've got everything we need. And and in the end, what happens to a source of water where there's no water going out or coming in? What happens to the water? It dies. It stinks. If you just have a a bunch of water with no way for the water to go out or to be replenished, water stinks. And that's what happens to churches. If we're not an outward-focused church, we will just become a stinking church but don't just send missionaries second the second thing we can do is we can support missionaries we can support missionaries and as a church um, we have a, a great tradition of uh, supporting missionaries and that really encourages me and when you read the new testament you can see the support for missionaries all around the place and at the end of epistles you see these little names of people who've been sent so for example in titus 3 verse 13 it says this do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer and apos on their way see that they lack nothing so their uh, missionaries are going out and he's telling the church see that they lack nothing so when you support missionaries we should as a church support missionaries in a way that they lack nothing there has been perhaps a tradition in the past where people have said well if they're missionaries you know it's good for them to struggle that's not biblical Um, in fact if you look at a great passage in scripture on missionaries uh, 3 john 3 john verse 6 uh, says this i'll read from verse 5 but it says Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, talking about missionaries. He said, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them, because missionaries are sent, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. That's how the church should support missionaries, in a manner worthy of God. God. We need to value missionaries and we need to support them well. But look, instead of me telling you how to support missionaries, um, I've invited a great friend and a friend to our church, Alison Williams. Um, Alison and Hugh Williams, we've supported as a church for a number of years. And uh, Rebecca now is going to interview Alison to find out how can we best support missionaries.
2: So it's really great, Alison. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning to talk to us uh, about how we as a church can support Global Mission. Um, As a church, we've supported you and your husband Hugh and your girls uh, through prayer over the last eight years. Um, I don't know if you want to give us maybe a little bit of background about the time that you spent in Italy and what you were doing there and uh, what you're doing now in Ireland as well, if you want to let everyone know.
3: Yeah, well, good morning, everyone. And thank you, Becca, for having having us along. Well, having me along, but on behalf of the family. Um, We are so grateful for the way that Cornerstone have supported us over these years. Actually, people have shown great interest and it's been so wonderful to have that. And, you know, the highlight of those eight years was, you know, your pastor and his wife coming to visit us (laughs) (laughs) with with two of the boys. Um, But yeah, we're so grateful. So thank you for that. We were in Italy, in Turin, in the north part of Italy for eight years. And we were working with the International Church there, working. with um, migrant workers, with academics, with engineers, with uh, students, people from all walks of life. And um, we had a great time um, there. Got to know so many people from all over the world. And I also worked um, with IFES, International Fellowship of Evangelical Students, working with the um, International Student Ministry there. And um, that was just, so exciting we just we we had so many students from you know countries where they would never get to hear about Jesus um who would come week after week so we were there for eight years and then um back in August um 2019 we sadly left and um moved and relocated to Ireland um so yeah, do you want me to explain a little bit about that that move and, and why we did that? So yeah. basically, um we we thought we would be in that in Turin for a long time. We thought we would be in that international ministry, but um both Hugh and I independently um began to feel an increasing burden for Ireland. Um Ireland is the most unreached English speaking country in the world. And um after our experience in post-Catholic Italy, I think we just began to wonder if The Lord was put in Ireland on our heart and that maybe those years of training in Italy were for us to to be in Ireland. So anyway, we began to investigate that and the Lord opened an opportunity for us here in Greystones, which is south of Dublin in in County Wicklow. And um, some of you have a very close connection with Greystone, so you can find out who that is afterwards. Um, but we we settled here um, back in August 2019, and Hugh is the pastor of Hillside Evangelical Church, and I help out a little bit there with kids and youth work. And then I'm working with Christian Union's Ireland, which is the i feast movement um, here in, well, it's the whole of Ireland, um, but I'm based in the Southern team.
2: What would you say this morning, we've been really thinking through Global Mission and God's call um, on our lives to support Global Mission. Um, as a church here in Abergavenny collectively and also as individuals within that church, how can we support Global Mission in a way that's helpful to missionaries? You know, what can we start doing and, and maybe what should we not do as well? What should we stop doing?
3: Well, for, for us as a missionary family, the the most wonderful thing is to to have relationships with the people who have sent us. And over the years, we have been so um, humbled and excited by the generous giving of people, obviously. You know, we could not have lived in Italy and we couldn't um, actually be living here in Ireland without the giving of our supporters. But really what is what has helped to keep us in mission, if you know what I mean, is the friendships and the relationships that people have continued to have with us. So things like, and I'll give examples, it might be easier give you concrete examples, things like um, a couple from our church in Highfield who visited us every single year that we were in Italy and um, just made us part of their year. They would always work out when they were gonna come and have also even managed to fit in a visit to Ireland before we all got locked down. So, you know, people who were like, we are we are in relationship with them, we're supporting them financially as well, but we're gonna make sure that we know the context, know the people. And it was it was so helpful to have them come. And when you're a missionary in a foreign country, you never really have those big belly laughs, if you know what I mean because you're constantly working in another language or or in different cultures and contexts and you have love you have love and friendship and compassion and 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 great fellowship with people but to have a real laugh with people you have history with and you have the same humor as and that kind of thing used to be a, such a relief i know it sounds silly but it used to be such a relief to have those moments so so having relationships with your supporters not just someone who um perhaps is, is sending money each month but never keeps in contact is so so helpful although obviously never downplaying that giving that is so kind and we're so grateful for that and also um in terms of churches you know um you you guys in Carnegie have constantly kept in, in contact with us over the years highfield also um constantly maybe given us um a, a person who is our contact person and they, they keep in touch with us and they know what's going on and, and and we can keep in touch with them and tell them if there's problems or if there's joys or if there's issues that need to be prayed for. We've got another church um, in South Wales who, um, a small congregation, almost entirely retired people, and they reply to every prayer letter. They, they're they constantly in contact with us. And it really is that, that partnership that is in relationship. And it's a a relationship of love and community. You know, people who um, have got to know Kitty and Clara, even though they were born in Italy. um, People who have invested in their lives as well. It's really helped to keep us on the mission field. And it kind of reminds me of Paul in in Philippi. We've been studying as a team here, um, Philippians. And just thinking about how the church did support him and sent him for his practical needs, but also they sent a person they sent Epaphatitis to him and and just what a blessing that was and how that showed great partnership so I think um yeah having a relationship with the people at home and continuing that is so so helpful um in terms of what not to do I don't know I haven't really got a lot I haven't got any horror stories if I'm honest we've been so blessed by partnership in the gospel
2: Got this time now I'm locked down to really maybe carve out a bit of time to really think through um, how we support global mission. What would your sort of top tip be for somebody who kind of thinks where do I start today? My
3: top tip really it's to what I've just said. Um,
2: to you know if you if
3: you've not really um, thought about supporting sort of overseas mission in this way, but maybe start with someone. Or uh, some some people who you have some connection with. So whether it's through Cornerstone or maybe um, you have a friend of a friend who's serving in some context, that you you begin with someone that you could reach out to and connect with, and you know start maybe write to them and say, could you send me your your prayer letters or your updates? Um, and then over time, your relationship with them could develop and deepen. You might think about um, giving financially to them or you might um, consider visiting them one day, you know. But, but it starts at the beginning, like any relationship, that you start to get to know them, start to understand their context. And I was chatting to, to Hugh about this and we were saying, you know, it used, when you read great missionary stories, you know, they used to have, people used to have a passion for a country. You know, like Gladys Eilward, I don't know if you know that story, but she had such a passion for China and nothing was going to stop her from going. Um, You know, we never really talk like that anymore. And we were saying, you know, when when someone kind of gets connected to you. So for us in Italy, um, people would connect with us, but then they would get more interested in Italy. And then they would pray more for the the country and the region and even, you know, that idea of sort of post-Catholic Europe and and pray more for those kind of countries. So so it it can start with just that seed of a relationship with one missionary and then it can bloom into an interest in a certain people group or a certain language group or a certain country or whatever. So, yeah, so start with what you can manage and start with relationship.
0: Oh, Alison, thank you so much for that. That was super encouraging and insightful. So, brothers and sisters, we need to reach the ends of the earth. God has given us the power. He's promised to be with us and he will build his church and we get to be swept up into that and a part of that. And I pray we would be a church that sends missionaries and I pray that we would continue to be a church that supports missionaries. I've got so much more I could tell you this morning but time has gone so on Wednesday um, in our devotion I want to explore with you a little bit about how actually um, mission can be at home as well and those who have gone on mission now will have what's called a blessed reflex or reflux but we look at that On Wednesday. Look, let's listen to our virtual choir again singing that wondrous hymn, Facing a Task Unfinished.